today is Sunday, and it's EJ, and we're outside, and it's beautiful, and with me as always. It's Steve, and yes, it's a special Sunday, football Sunday edition of uh, Draft Politics, and uh, we have, because of this, we have a special sponsor, I uh, wanted to go ahead and introduce, you, introduce them to you, Draft Dems. Uh, why limit your phone-driven addictive behaviors to Facebook? Why only piss off your right-wing uncle when you can piss away your life savings? You can now bet on the Democratic agenda and win big. That's right. Sign up for Draft Dems today, and you can take advantage of a 100 times odds boost on reconciliation passing. Draft Dems, where the House almost never wins. Terms and conditions apply. 100 times zero is zero. Gambling problem? Call 1202-224-3121. Well, thanks, Draft Dems. It's really good to have a gambling and law-passing-based sponsor, finally. Yes, really. Yes. It's long been our dream, <laughs> and the dream has been realized. So. It's been a couple of weeks. It has and been, they a have weeks. been a We've couple of crazy scheduling weeks. Scheduling hang-ups. I, I had the temerity uh, to travel out of the country briefly uh, to actually be on a, I think they call them vacations. I, Vacation, is that what they're called? Yes. Anyhow. I've forgotten what they're uh, called. Yes, but I'm back. I've been COVID tested multiple times. My sinuses swabbed to within an inch of their life. Uh, but I'm good. And we are here at the Alarmist Brewery uh, up off of Peterson Avenue. And we're out in their beer garden. And it's this delightful, like, we couldn't figure out where the beer garden was. Yeah. We EJ was smart enough to ask, and it's delightful. It's like just like four little picnic tables. There's a little little shade fabric cover thingy. Yeah, There's a couple trees. It's 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 amazing. We're the only ones here. Yeah, we're and we're off of you know it's at Peterson Ave and Pulaski Ave here in Chicago. Right. So it's not like it's a low traffic area. No, it's a high traffic area, but it's super quiet. Yeah. It's super nice. I I, I here, listen listen everybody. Okay, there you go. Exactly. There's like nothing going on. That's right. Um, really, really couldn't ask for a better September day. That's right. But there is a lot going on, isn't there? <laughs> there is a lot going on. Yes. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of it falls under the category of remembering how hard it is to govern in a divided, in a divided government coming off the heels of, you know, a chaotic last four years. So, yes, you know, I think at the national front, ooh, national front, can't really say that. It's not quite that right wing yet, is it? <laughs> <laughs> On the national soon, level, soon, too. Yeah, uh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it kind of acts like it right now. So there's been a lot of talk on immigration, uh, which has no sort of legislative path forward for a couple of reasons. And we'll we'll talk about that. But, you know, some pretty horrific images coming from uh, the southern border. Yes. And. You know, an influx of uh, Haitians looking for asylum, um, looking to sort of escape, you know, just a cascade of terrible things that's happened uh, in Haiti over the last year or so. Well, and it's interesting because, like, what had happened was there was this large group of Haitian immigrants who had congregated in uh, Texas. Yeah. Uh, And I gather they did not come directly from Haiti. They had actually been in Somewhere, uh, maybe in Brazil, more like Latin America had come yeah. through uh, more recently. Um, and they had sort of set up a camp there. Um, and you see these photos where you have uh, Border Patrol agents on horseback uh, whipping people with the reins of their horses. Uh, 
carrying food because they basically because there's got this encampment they have to go get food so they go like buy it looks honestly it looks like somebody just got a delivery from like uh you know uber eats or whatever and you've got these guys on horseback beating them and it's i mean i mean as as somebody who is a photographer it is an amazing photo and it's disturbing to see this and it's interesting because i feel like our immigration system is full of inhumanity and it's full of racism and xenophobia and has a lot of problems with it, but you don't visually see it that often. This is one of those moments. Like the kids in cages was the moment under Trump. This is the moment under, yeah. under Biden. Yeah. And, you know, seeing that and recognizing that, you know, everybody hoped that, you know, as soon as we had a new president, things would change sort of the recognition that that's not how it works, right? And, you know, on one hand, you say the people recruited into that agency, you know, were recruited in to do a job and fit into a culture that was set by, yes. you know, the policies that were out there. And even if you, you know, sort of make overtures to having a more open or welcoming stance towards towards migrants, towards immigrants, towards those seeking asylum. Um, you know, the people there on the front lines may or may not be in touch with that same set of, you know, missions and values. And of course, you know, all of the lip service now paid to investigations and figuring out who it was and making sure they don't do it. And they've they've stopped that horseback patrolling, which has been in which place I since the say, 20s or something. I, right? I have to say, like, that is the dumbest part of this is like, well, this is terrible. And so we're going to stop riding horses. Like, OK, so this would have been better if you're on ATVs. Yeah. Like, yeah. And using cattle prods instead of whips, I guess. I right. don't know. Like, we just need to up tech this. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think yeah. Um, then the, the secondary part of all of this has been the decision by the Biden administration to just deport you know thousands of of migrants sort of out of hand using a policy that was implemented by the trump administration yeah and you know on one hand you say well look you can't you can't move a ship on a dime and the people who are there are going to be the people who are there and you can try to work through those cultural issues um but on the other hand, this is a choice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think I personally, I'm, I'm disturbed by it. I think the, the head of uh, human rights at the United Nations said this actually could be a, uh, a violation of international law. If those folks are seeking asylum and we don't actually give them uh, sort of the due process of, yeah. of evaluating and, that. And we asylum. don't know. I mean, you know, it was a large group of people. We don't know how many people have been, uh, you know, sent back to Haiti. We don't know how many people have been allowed to stay in the country under under asylum rules, if any. Um, you know, and, and I think part of it comes down to is, like, our immigration policies are they don't recognize the reality of the world that we have we currently mm. inhabit. Um, like the reason why we have immigrants coming from all these different places seeking asylum is because life in the countries where they're coming from is so bad yeah. that they're willing to risk their lives, the lives of their children and, and the treacherous uh, trek to get to this country because it's so bad. So 
we can fix this one of two ways. If we want to make this a truly like humane system, one is let them in, or two is go to those countries and do everything in our power to make them places that are better. I mean, you know, it's it. I don't want it to sound imperialist in terms of what I'm saying, but like basically changing the way our business practices work to make sure that they have all the opportunities mm. there investing in those countries, helping out where we can to try to build them up. Because that those places have fallen apart. I mean, Haiti and the Dominican Republic are on the exact same island. Yet, Dominican Republic, we don't have a bunch of immigrants coming in, but Haiti we do. What can we do differently to make Haiti more like the Dominican Republic within the bounds of, you know... You know, supremacy and you know, like, I, mean, I don't want to be like, we're taking control yeah. of them. That's, you know, but Haiti's had a rough decade, yeah. right? And we've, I mean, and we've not helped no. and we've often hurt. No. But, uh, but remember, you know, natural disaster and the assassination of the president yeah. in the last month. Yeah. Yep. Um, now, again, that's the other interesting thing about this. Most of the people there were not. They left before that. Right. They were, they left long before that um, and have been making their way slowly slowly northward um it it is a you know it's a question of what kind of country we want to be um do we want to welcome people in um and and there is going to be a sharp divide on that and and no doubt the politics of this from from biden's perspective is that you know from from a democratic party agenda and what strategically makes sense like allowing more immigrants in would make sense nominally but that doesn't but the there's a sliver of voters that Biden wants to appeal to that are like that are not in favor of that. Yeah. And so he ends up in this position of trying to look tough on immigration. And this is the same thing that that Obama did was looking tough on immigration by, well, being tough on immigration um, when really being a little more open would probably be a smarter plan long term yeah. politically, in addition to not being shitty. <laughs> yeah, well. There it is. I mean, I, I will say, you know, on the flip side, and and I think we should expect a lot of this from the Biden presidency, especially at this point. It's like, on the flip side, he also increased the cap for for refugees. Right. And so that's that balance is like he's trying to yeah. have both sides of it. Right. And doubled the cap from. Yeah. So under Trump, it was 15,000 people a year. He, which is absurdly low. <laughs> which is ridiculously low. Um, he raised it to 62-something, 62, 62,000, and, and just doubled like, that again. Yeah, so it's like 150 or something yeah. so like that. that. That's a, I, I think that's, again, an objectively good thing. And, you know, as we, we've kind of moved on from the discussion of Afghan refugees, <laughs> because we've got the Haitians to talk about, um, but, you know, we see companies in the United States saying, Okay, like UPS, right? Like they said, we need people to do jobs. We're we're going to earmark jobs for refugees coming from Afghanistan. Yeah, that's eh, great. And I think the other the other nuance that kind of gets lost is, you know, not every every person is evaluated under the same status, right? So. You know, there yeah. there are people who are applying f- for asylum and there are certain, you know, rules around that and there are refugees and there are rules around that. And there are people who, you know, and even not everybody coming from Afghanistan is, you know, a refugee because they may have other uh, other qualifying factors that that should get them access to um, residency. And, you know, it's 
it's so thorny and so complicated and you know but the thing uh, is it doesn't need doesn't to need be. to be like and this <laughs> is, i mean you know i mean ultimately our immigration policies are all rooted in racism i mean it you know we didn't have an immigration policy really back in the day. Like, you know, you talk about, oh, well, my grandparents, you know, they immigrated properly through and they came over on a ship and they went through Ellis Island. Like, yeah, you know what our rules were? We didn't have any. It was just like, yeah. welcome. Here's your new name. We need people. We, the, the only rule was we get to misspell your name. That was about it. Um, you know, Which but then did. once we had a large influx of Chinese immigrants, well, now suddenly we've got a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you've seen this continue that, you know, depending on who you know what the color of your skin is and how how foreign you are seemingly to us um that affects your your ability to immigrate and so um having a like and i'm not going to sit here and say we should have no like just open the borders no immigration i'm not in i'm i'm let's say i'm not against it but i'm not i i would need i would need us to progress that direction it's not something i would want to flip a switch on overnight but like Certainly, we can afford to have more immigration than we do now, and I think it would be a net positive for for this country. Um, But just a couple other little notes on this. Um, Daniel Foote, who is a senior diplomat to Haiti, uh, he ended up resigning in protest over the deportation orders around this, uh, pointing out in his uh, letter about that that it's actually too dangerous for our our own diplomatic personnel to even leave the, um, uh, the compound of the embassy right now. Like, that's how bad the situation is in Haiti. And we're now, you know, sending a bunch of people back there for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they may have, le- you know, and like I said, they left before this. So, like, they may have ultimately left under safer circumstances than what they're <laughs> returning to. I think the other the other part of this is that well, the Democrats were trying to write some immigration reform into the reconciliation bill. Yes, which the... The all-powerful parliamentarian overruled because Senate they're an parliamentarian, thing. and that's a good. It's a good segue, good segue. into <laughs> the morass that is trying to figure this stuff out. So you know, we've been talking a lot about the different bills: the infrastructure bill, the Build Back Better bill, the human infrastructure bill, the frameworks. frameworks, frameworks. Yeah, the BIFs, right? the BIF, the BIF. So. You know, again, we're still at a, a point where uh, it feels like Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin have a lot of leverage. Well, and right now, the big problem we seem to have is that there's a collection of about 10 House Democrats who are, you know, hampering things at the House level, too. But there are six House Republicans who have come out in favor of the, the basic infrastructure bill. Right. Well, the bi- like getting the bipartisan deal through is no problem at this point, except for the fact that the well, I don't want to frame it that way. So let me start this over again. So right <laughs> now, like, let's let's set the landscape for all this. Right. So we had a one trillion dollar package that was the bipartisan deal mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. we got some Republicans on board. And the deal was we're going to pass that. But then we're also going to have this uh what is a $3.5 trillion, I suspect in the grand scheme of things, by the time it's done, it will be less than $3.5 trillion. But yes, and this and other bill that will go through reconciliation, they can be focused on Democratic priorities. Uh, House progressives have said, cool, we're fine with all this, but we need to pass them basically at the same time. That we are not going to pass this $1 trillion bill because we know if we pass that, we're not going to get any of the rest of this stuff. Right. And so there's been this back and forth between 
the House Progressive Caucus and a and basically some of the conservative Republican or not Republican uh, Democratic senators like like Manchin and Cinema, as well as some uh, Democrats in the House who are uh, apparently uncomfortable with doing good things for people in America. So. Uh, so because of that, uh, there's uh, this this friction about getting that passed. And there is some kind of deadline tomorrow. But, so, but, yeah. but, but, but let me just say this about the, the trillion yeah. the trillion dollar bill that that those Democrats say they won't vote for. There are almost enough Republican votes to pass it without them. But there's but there's still not. Yeah, it's within one or two. Right, it's very close. Yeah. And McCarthy, though McCarthy, and this is after weeks of McCarthy whipping against it. Yeah. Um, so that actually is a very interesting nuance to this, right? Like, um, now Nancy Pelosi could choose not to bring it to the floor, probably. Right. But the but deal she has with those conservative Democrats is that she will uh, have a vote by September 27th. Like, that's the commitment that they will have on the bipartisan bill yeah. and that is tomorrow that is tomorrow by my yes my 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 watch says that, that is tomorrow. tomorrow so can we uh, just go back to the fact that it's september 27th in chicago and we're outside on a beautiful right? sunday sunny right. day climate change ain't all bad people <laughs> yeah. actually it is all bad but uh yeah, it has some occasionally nice side effects so uh, you know i think we're we're gonna be you know in this real self-owned situation right oh, where yeah. you know we've got a good bill in that $1 trillion, which is whatever, $600 million of new spending. Yes. Um, it's, a, it's a good start. And then the framework around the $3.5 trillion, which is stuck in cinema and mansion land. Yeah. And, you know, the real question is going to be, look, I, I think something is going to pass. The question is going to be, what size is that thing? Yeah. Um, well, my, my sense of things is this, is that if, if the $1 trillion bill passes um, independent of the reconciliation bill, then the reconciliation bill will never happen. Because like, mm. there will be enough of it. I mean, well, first of all, like, we're into, you know, by the time that all gets done, we're talking about October of 2021. Uh, and, 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 you know, and then holidays and whatever else. And then we're, now we're into the election year and nobody's going to want to do anything. And so that will be the last of whatever Biden gets done. So basically all of Biden's what he's gotten done would yes. have been the COVID bill and the bipartisan infrastructure bill. And none of the other Democratic priorities will have gotten passed. Feels a lot like Obama's first two years. It does. Good news, guys. We've got control of everything. We just need to do to need to agree. Except that he doesn't have the you know, and actually, you know, at least Obama, like he had like sixty votes in the Senate. Like he should have been able to get a lot more done. But yeah. you know, but you know, on the other hand, he didn't have the hindsight of well, that previous president tried that and had a bunch of problems. So I'm just going to be a little bit more of a hard ass, like uh, you know, yeah. So now we're trying to do more with less, but. If we don't, uh, the next election is going to be a hot mess. It's going to be a hot mess anyway. Probably. I mean, if we get mess. if we get the trillion dollar bill and some some sizable portion of the reconciliation bill, like let's say it's like a two trillion, something like that. Over um, ten years, by the way. And this is yeah. all over ten years, so it, it sounds like a giant number, and it's not a small number. Let's be clear, but um, 
you know, over 10 years, you're talking about, you know, something that's more like a third of the Defense Department budget. Yeah. Which nobody has any problem spending money on. I mean, hell, they just passed uh, with the, the, the bill they're trying to get together for the budget. Ended up giving the Pentagon more money than they asked for. Yeah, of Again. course. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But but Lord knows we can't fund. And it, this is the dumb thing about this: like these are all things that are like broadly popular that we need. Like, yeah, we don't want to give dental care to senior citizens. Is that is that really that, that big a deal? Right? <laughs> Should that be a thing that people argue about? Yeah. Um. It is. It is shocking. Yeah. It is shocking. Yeah. So I mean, basically, yeah. So. And of th- course, then there's the whole debt ceiling or debt limit right like like can we borrow more money that's now being you know held hostage as a thing so trying to fund the government so that the democrats have put together a bill to fund the government through december because again this is how we do this um and included in that was a raising the debt limit and republicans are like no no no. we should fund the government but we're not gonna we're not gonna pay for the stuff that we yeah, we're not. Yeah, we the, sp- the money we spent two years yeah. ago. The debt ceiling is a stupid, stupid thing. Like we've already committed I, to paying for this. We've already committed to borrowing this money. We're just going to decide not to borrow the money anymore. It's like you. It's like you've gone to the store. You've bought a bunch of things on your credit card. And you're just like, I'm just not going to pay my credit card. Like I'm just not doing that yeah. anymore. And it's not you know. And again, that because you know all things are about perception right and this will be another good segue it has nothing to do with the spending that they're talking about doing now it has everything to do with the spending that was done a year ago five years ago ten years ago two years ago yeah so cut the tax cuts that happened right um and you know honestly like really what needs to happen is the democrats need to just be like okay we're gonna we're gonna have to eat this shit burger like this is just what's gonna happen because the the republicans are gonna refuse to do anything so just get rid of this. Just get rid of the debt ceiling altogether when you do this. Like, just fine. Break the filibuster and just be done with it. Because every time this comes up, it's the same thing, and it's going to focus everybody on the debt, which is fundamentally problematic for Democrats in a way that is not fundamentally dem- uh, problematic for Republicans. So just get rid of the damn thing. And, yeah, you'll look you'll look shitty once, but then you don't have to do this every single time, and you don't have to, like— Give Put them the, the entire points. economy at yeah. risk every, you know, six months. But they don't listen to me. No, they don't. They, never they don't. We've been checking, and they don't seem to listen to you. If only they were Norwegian, they would listen to us. <laughs> if only they were Norwegian. Just had an election in Norway. Um, so We should cover that next time. So, uh, I, I mean, there's probably a whole, a whole segment on foreign elections. We should absolutely do a segment on us covering Norwegian politics just to just to entertain the Norwegians because be like you guys have no idea what's going on here. <laughs> no, it's it's much more straightforward there. I mean, we could do we could yeah. do a whole episode on Canada's recent elections, Norway's recent elections, and the elections upcoming this week in Germany. Oh yes, which are all very interesting things. Well, actually, the Canadian election was ended up being the least interesting election ever to happen. Yeah, ever to happen. Like the the seats, the distribution of the seats in a multi-party system was within one of what it was before <laughs> or something like that. I think that, you know, Trudeau's party got one more seat. The conservative <laughs> party lost two seats. I think Bloc Québécois got a seat. Right. You know, like 
It was just uh, for fun. Yeah, lowest turnout ever. Very, very low. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think the other the other thing that we've covered several times in, in sort of thinking about perception and whatnot. Actually, refill. Sure. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we have just refilled our beers. Oh man! Through the magic of uh, podcast editing, you won't even notice. The you time won't pass. even notice it it's unless like I leave it in there. You know, because <laughs> I'm just like that. Uh, so we talked about the infrastructure bill and all the issues there, the debt ceiling. You know, who knows? Maybe the economy will totally implode in the next couple of weeks because of that. But and let's I think move that's on to the, I think that's what the Republicans are aiming for. Could be, could be. Right. They would just want to destroy everything. I, it, it's true. It's it's much easier to destroy things when you think somebody else is going to be responsible for it because perception is everything. That's right. And speaking of perception, speaking of perception. Election Circus 2020. <sighs> My friends, the ninjas. And the ninja. The ninja. Did ninja? he hire more ninjas? I think there's well, one, uh, he definitely ninja? had some ninja subcontractors. Okay. Um, That's who, really the way to go. It is. Yeah. You kind of outsource the ninja ing. Yeah. Um, so the audit that was paid for by a combination of Arizona taxpayers and a huge pool of dark money that we don't really understand yet, um, uh, they had their report out. This week. So this was, you know, started in April. It was supposed to take four weeks. It's been more than yes. four weeks. Um, really, really, everything has been terrible about it from the start. You know, clearly nobody knew how to do the things. They hired yeah. they, they hired people that the Trump inner circle told them to hire. Yeah, and um, clearly, like, very biased in terms of how they're oh, running yeah. things. And there was all sorts of, there was a, there was always a little, little bit of xenophobia, racism baked yeah. into it with oh, bamboo yeah. fibers. And we're going to we're going to check shit. all kinds of things. So they did a hand yeah. recount hand of every recount. vote yes. of in Maricopa County. Yes. They they have they they violated the integrity of the voting machines, and they're going to need voting machines. I mean, they've got yeah. they have they have. They try to oh they try to get the routers they, they try to get the routers yeah and ultimately they were allowed to ask questions about the routers and get answers about the routers but they were not allowed to touch the routers right so. because then they'd have to replace they'd have every to replace the routers too and so and this is why I talk about perception there are two top lines here right one is that after the hand recount Joe Biden won a hundred more votes than they had originally found yes. So Donald Trump lost again and by more. And that's what the point of the of a audit or a recount should be. But instead, so that's that's one top line. But there was also a three and a half hour presentation uh, with no questions allowed to be asked. Nobody from Maricopa County to be allowed to speak. It was all the the ninja crew. Yes. To Which were of, hard to see through all the smoke and yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. To talk about their, um, to talk about their findings, their findings, yes. and it started with this guy. Uh, his nickname is Doctor Shiva. He's super popular, um, anti-vax conspiracy theory guy on the right. Right, so he's somebody who, I guess, he has a couple of degrees from MIT. You know, by all accounts, he seems to be reasonably intelligent, but. Just because you're intelligent does not mean you're smart. Yeah, anyway. well, and, and he definitely <laughs> seems to be on the grift train here. Yes. Um, 
to give you an idea of how of the kind of person this is his sort of slide of credentials included invented email okay sure right so how old is this guy i it, not old enough to have invented email. <laughs> yeah, just, right? just checking, you know, like maybe. And the yeah. year he had on there was clearly like ten years after email was invented. Right, like so, like somebody emailed him and he's like, "This is a cool idea. I should, I'll I should just own take this. it." Um, and you know, he went through ninety minutes of showing images up on a screen and of of envelopes. And what it was, and this is this is really this is really telling, right? So I'm going to show pictures of of envelopes and if you heard it it would almost sound reasonable like okay look we saw some things that had a clear signature on it and we weren't trying to match signatures some where the signature in the image wasn't very clear or some where it was blank and there's some things that were stamped and sometimes the stamps didn't look right and there were duplicate images like all of these things without any you know where where they always stop short of saying well this is these are the reasons why that could happen. So like a duplicate image can always happen, yeah. right? Because if they are, if somebody sends in a mail-in ballot and they need to fix the signature, because that's curing is allowed in Arizona. So they'll take an image of the, the envelope, then they'll contact the, the person who will come in and they may sign it. They'll cure it wh- however they have to cure it. And yes. curing it doesn't mean necessarily signing that thing again. Yes. It means signing a separate affidavit. Yes. Um, and it also means that it turns into good charcuterie. Yeah, wait, it does. No. Sorry. Thank you. And oh, fantastic! Oh, thank thank you. you. Which one is that? Uh, All right. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, man. Um, alarmist. So we just got free beer, everybody. <laughs> just uh, yeah. So, so if you so hear what's a happening scuffle, in the background while, while EJ was prattling on about whatever he was talking about, I'm watching in the background. I, I was is, prattling on about the end of democracy as we know it. Right. So whatever. Uh, but one of the uh, representatives of this fine establishment was out here uh, at one of the picnic benches, like trying to get like a, just framing the photo just right of of the alarmist beer with the with the cans of the alarmist beer. Uh, you know, and so he and then after he was done, once he had finally gotten his uh, Ansel Adams uh, thing, uh, he brought over the beer that he was using for it and, and said free beer. So there it is. So there alarmist. Alarmist. Come by. Free beer. <laughs> free beer. Um, <laughs> no, no guarantee of free beer. So, so, you know, it was all of these kind of open-ended questions. Like, there were perfectly reasonable expe- expe- explanations for lots of these things. Yes. And you also could have taken them and traced it down and said, I had, let's say, four copies, four images of this ballot envelope. I know the serial number on that. I could track down how many, you know, was, did somebody vote four times? Is that what happened? Because that was their inference. But they never went that far. Or they did not, you know, they would not say any of that. And that was sort of the consistent theme across it. There was one slide where Cyber Ninja Dude said, like, uh, and our count showed that, yep, the canvas was right. And actually Biden got more votes than we thought. Great. But the rest of the time was open-ended questions, you know, I'm f- we're we're talking about oh we booted up this server and it tried to connect to the internet okay it's a Windows server did it did it connect to the internet <laughs> you know what that's what computers do these yeah, days yeah well, I, like, I don't know if you know oh, that. it tried to connect to this you know and they like put something up there it's like the Windows Time server right yeah 
every Windows machine. <laughs> but that doesn't mean it connected to the but internet. No, no, no. You see, that's where the five G chips come from with the yeah. vaccine. Well, but they even showed it up there, like all of the connections failed. They're like they connected to the. Yeah, you can't have them connect into the internet. Well, they didn't. And because then, there was no internet server. Exactly. Right. And then Ta-da. they showed one server. They were like, look at this. Look at all the connections to the internet on this server and the ports that were open. And again, if you don't know anything about it, it sounds like, oh, that sounds like it could be a problem. That really could be a problem that that's connecting to all those things. And then you look at the name of the server and it's like MCP Web 03. And it's the server that the county clerk's website or registrar's website is hosted on. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's not connected to any of the voting machines at all. It's actually a web server. Isn't MCP the corporation from RoboCop? I think it is now, but, you know, okay. Mar- Maricopa County or whatever. But Okay, but, all right, but, yeah, f- fair enough. It's not RoboCop And that related. was the entire time. And people are in the gallery cheering as they're just saying things that don't make any sense to yeah. anybody who knows anything. And so, <laughs> well, I, except for, like, <sighs> if you've been, you know, eating nothing but conspiracy theories for the last, you know, year, you know, all of it's, oh, oh this connects these dots. Oh, I, I'm yeah. sure, like... If you had the, like, normal English to complete insanity translator that they're using, suddenly that all, oh, no, this all, under, this all undermines the entire election. Right. It's all, it's all been rigged. Yeah, well, and, and the thing that. Even though they're saying. Yeah. Everything's fine and Biden actually won. Yeah, and, and again, the thing that bothers me the most. No, no, that's not even true. But the standard that people should look at is the county itself who administered the election was not allowed to speak. Right. During this this hearing. Right. So just total theater. Although I do recommend um, two things. AZCentral.com. Um, it's a Gannett, but they're really great coverage on this. And the the county website has a line by line fact check they were doing in real time. It was yeah. really great. Um, really great work uh, by them. I actually subscribed to AZ Central now just because I wanted to support them. Of course, it was one dollar for six months. So. So in six months, get back to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, but uh, but that turned into, you know, again, Donald Trump goes to a rally in Georgia and says, oh, the audit found that I won Maricopa County. Right. And we know at this point that, like, you know, it was reported uh, within the last week or so that, like, uh, the, the Trump campaign knew very well that they lost fair and square, but still you know, ran with the big lie, um, you know, when they're going through and doing all those court filings, like they knew they were lying. Yeah. Um, now we all knew they were lying, but like, like there was always this sliver of possibility that they were just so deluded that they didn't even know they were lying, but turns out they were. So, um, and now, you know, those folks will be, you know, They'll still be on the talk show, the the, the talk circuit, and oh, they're yeah. making money. There, there, there'll be all the um, YouTube videos. Yeah, yeah. It is, uh, it is the thing that that actually scares me the most. That you know, the, just the idea that people can say whatever they want. Somebody's going to pay them to say it. Yeah. And they're going to carry on down that train. Yeah. If you recall, um, and the, again, because I'm all about the segue here, I'm all about the segue. So, do you remember the name of? Former uh, national security advisor Michael Flynn. Haven't yes, heard him in a yes, while, I'm, right? Yes, I'm aware of him. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know he's still out there speaking? Yes. Yes, I've um, heard he said some interesting things lately. Yeah. On so he's on like a, and I'm not making this up, like a Christian speaking circuit. Okay. Um, 
which is another question I don't, I, I have. don't understand why anything he would say on a Christian speaking circle would overlap with things we would talk about on a politics podcast. Well, but, but I bet you're going to show me <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> and how you're going to tie these things together. Right. Um, in the last week, he got up there and, you know, was talking about how, again, COVID is a hoax and how the government is trying to indoctrinate people by getting them to take the vaccine. And in fact, in fact, yeah, the vaccine will soon be at the behest of the government surreptitiously snuck into your salad dressing. That's right. Hidden Valley COVID. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, first of all, okay, if we could do that, great. I recommend for the populations who aren't vaccinated, maybe lean on the ranch a little heavier. <laughs> right? I don't I don't think we need that uh, that kind of strawberry well, like, balsamic. What's is it is, yeah. are we doing are we doing like maybe like are they partnering with like Newman? Like they're doing like like Newman's own like, yeah. you know, the Caesar with the extra COVID-19 vaccine. I, I mean Again, there are people funding him out there sp- saying that there are people paying him to say that and there are people hearing him say it and saying yes i i (laughs) just i just can't come on i mean those same people again you know it's just it's it's just so amazing to me like i i feel like it may be my impression of the way the world used to work was was incorrect but i feel like there was a point in the world where there was some agreed upon version of reality and we could have conversations with each other about politics and we could have honest disagreements and you know and i was perhaps delusional about how much i could influence somebody else's opinion fine science says i was i didn't have a chance okay but at least i felt like we're sort of on the same plane of reality yeah and it's just doesn't feel <laughs> or like, it's like the case. you know and even like you know i will say like i have you know republican family members and they are they do largely inhabit this plane of reality like they got their vaccines like and generally they told like, you they did oh but no no they actually did um you know but you know i just don't understand like how people can be like thinking that it's in salad dressing like what how do you get there how do you get there? Well, but again, also remember that this is coming from a person who was at the highest echelons of our national security infrastructure. Yes. Right. So that's the, the craziest thing to me is that there's no longer sort of an intellectual class that says like, oh, yeah, so maybe. And, and actually, I think Mitch McConnell is the repre- representation of this. I'll happily stand on the backs of the idiots. Yes. But I am not going to yeah, be an I'm, idiot. I'm the guy mind. in the big tent, you know, taking the money from the rubes, and that's okay. Yeah. And this is my gig. But it turns out the rubes are actually running the tent now. And it's like, uh, that's not how this is supposed to work. No. Well, yes. So, and that's a segue because, you know, we're, we're into the COVID land where it's, you know, we have 2,000 deaths a week. And hopefully that's flattening out, right? Hopefully Delta is... Yeah, it looks like overall Delta is uh, heading downward in, in Chicago. If you look at our dashboard, it's been... It kind of like it's came up and it's come down and it just seems to be slowly tapering off. Um, we haven't seen any big spikes around back to school, which is comforting. We'll get to um, that. You know, so we'll see how that goes. Um, 
you know, we've got the Pfizer trial that seems to be going well for kids. Uh, we've got Pfizer boosters that have been approved for uh, the elderly, uh, those with underlying health conditions, and other people also. Yeah, frontline people. So here's an I've got an actually an interesting question yeah. for you here. So the way that this this works, really, the the head of the CDC kind of gets to say what the policy is. Yeah. And there there is a there's an advisory board, right? Presumably now that it's uh, Biden's administration, it's made of of doctors, not fake doctors or. Um, and also, years, yeah, I mean, presumably. and the FDA has an opinion as well. So on yeah. the boosters specifically, you know, there was consensus that over 65 people over 50 with underlying conditions should get the booster if it's been more than six months. Um, but then there was this question of people, you know, let's just say healthcare workers of all of all sorts, you know, being one prototypical class of the you know of the frontline folks yeah that there was disagreement on so the fda said yes absolutely the advisory board was split and the head of the cdc overruled the advisory board and said yeah i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna go this way so how do yeah. you how do you feel about that how do you i'm, just, I'm curious like, well how do you i feel think about that? I, I, you know i will say like it gives me some comfort in the notion that our government is running largely as it should that basically have agent yeah. i mean as as you know as mixed up as it is you have agencies making decisions based on independent of political influence because if ultimately this is about political influence they would all have said yes to boosters and it would have been all pretty square yeah. because that's where biden clearly was and and looking at the you know looking at the the data i think you can go either way on it is, yeah. is really what it comes down to but um I think the to the FDA's perspective, they were largely like, well, we don't have clear evidence that there's a clear benefit to like just preventing like severe death and illness because we don't really care about you getting, you know, if you get if you just feel shitty for two weeks, that's the FDA doesn't really care about that. They just don't want, you know, they're <laughs> <It's> <laughs> true. We don't want you taking hospital beds. Right. We don't want you to like die. they're being very, you know, down to the basics of like that. Whereas yeah. I think that the. From the CDC's perspective, they're talking more about if you get COVID but are fine, you can still spread that to somebody else. And so they're taking a little more aggressive stance on it, mm. I think. Um, and then the Biden administration, I think, is largely more aligned with what the CDC is. But, um, you know, and so and I've, I've recently had a conversation with somebody who has chosen not to get the vaccine. They did get COVID at one point uh, back in April. Um and they, you know, and their antibodies are fine. So theoretically, they have some protection because they've got previously infected. And I was making the argument they should get a get a vaccine. Um, and, you know, one of the appeals I made to them was that, you know, you should somewhat trust what the government process is right now because they're actually operating independently. Yeah. Yeah. It, it um, seems like it. Yeah. Because it's chaos. Yes. Which is what government independent government is chaos. <laughs> yes. So the sausage is being made. Enjoy the sausage. It is tasty. Nom. So they're not getting the vaccine. Um, uh, no, they're still not getting the vaccine. Yeah, I, it, it's just an interesting that. it's an interesting thing, you know, in seeing the workings. And I, I've said this a, a hundred times if I've said it once that I think that we all have a much better view of how government works now in ways that we never did before. Um, and I think that should be generally good. Um, yeah, we. I think we all sort of had this schoolhouse rock vision of how government works, and mm -hmm. we've come to understand better that 
there are norms of operation that are independent of what the rules are. And, you know, so things things work because we all sort of agree on them, but we aren't actually agreeing on things and they don't really work as well. Right. Right. <laughs> and it's good to understand that, but it still sucks. <laughs> it does. And I, yeah, I guess my my hope is that actual increased understanding of how government works will yeah. will help resolve these problems in the long term, but who knows. Yeah. But, but um if you are somebody who is over the age of uh I think it's 65 65. Um you are so there, there's three levels right now. The CDC recommends a booster if you're over 65 have underlying health conditions uh for that. If you're under 65 and don't have any underlying health conditions uh, you are not recommended to get a booster. If you're under 65 but have underlying health conditions, it is okay, but they don't necessarily recommend it. Yeah, and like you can make your own decision about it. Right, and it's like, you know, consult your physician, yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, so I think it's going to be, basically it comes down to the same thing of like, you know, the people who are choosing to wear masks or the people who aren't wearing masks, et cetera, et cetera. Like it's going right. to be just like, what is your personal sense of risk around all this? And some people get booster shots and some people won't. Unless you got Moderna, in which case you don't need a booster yet. Maybe. We don't know. We don't know. And J&J, uh, they have done a round of testing on a, you know, so it was a one shot and done. But if you do a second shot, it looks like it has very good efficacy uh, at this point. So, you know, that might ultimately be the winner in all this contest of which is the best vaccine. But uh, at this point, the only booster shot recommendations are around the Pfizer vaccine. Right. Right. And frankly, at this point, I would much rather have shots in arms of people not in this country rather than us doing more boosters. I think that that is the other dynamic to this. Yeah. Right. I mean, so look, both of my parents have gotten their yeah. booster shots already. Um, they were part of trials. Yeah. And I was happy for that. But I'm also like, you know, am I going to get a booster shot? Even if they said, like, anybody could get one? I don't think so. Right. Like, I, you know, and I know this week, you know, Biden has said another billion doses to other parts of the world. But it's something like 70 odd percent of the U.S. adult population has been vaccinated. Yeah. Which is pretty good. Yeah. Um, and 7 percent of the world population yeah, I mean, has and been I was, vaccinated. And you that's know, I mentioned I was I was traveling. I was in, in Jamaica and, um, you know, their overall uh, vaccine coverage there is limited. I mean, they're starting to do it. Um, they are, you know, they have I, I forget their exact relationship to the UK government, but basically they're, you know, British influenced <laughs> at the very least. So they've got their Commonwealth. So, it's yeah, a Commonwealth country. Commonwealth, they can you. participate in the um, Commonwealth Games. You know, right. So there you go. Um, but so they've started to do vaccination there. Um, you know, uh, we were talking to some of the people who, you know, some people were working at the resort where we're at mm -hmm. and they were uh, they had gone through, gotten their first shot of their their vaccine. They were talking about how Pfizer was for the like Pfizer's for the weak ones. Like it's like like that's for the kids and like for the you know, like, you know, you're just a little you know, a little. Whereas the, the AstraZeneca, that was like the hardcore vaccine. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I, uh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you, I know this is very anecdotal. Two things. You know, one, Norway has now said it's back to normal. Like, we're, we're past COVID. Yeah. So, hi, Norway. We're, I'm, I'd like to come visit <laughs> you soon. Plan to visit soon, right? <laughs> um, two, England. And actually, I'm planning a trip to England to meet my Norwegian colleagues because that's the place we can all get into. Okay, yeah. Um, but Makes talking sense. to some of my colleagues there, I've, I know three colleagues who have gotten COVID. Yeah. Um, and 
at least one of them. And this is really amazing. And I, I, he started running the day lockdown started. He always ran before a little bit, but he's like, I'm going to run at least 5K every day yeah. during lockdown. And he's on day 500 and something. Okay. Right? Yeah. And he is, with the AstraZeneca vaccine, he has been able to keep his running up even after testing positive. Well, that's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. He's still slow as hell. So if you're listening, Paul, you're still slow as hell. Yeah, but yeah. you're still doing it. I, I, I respect that. I, I did have a brief running career, and I was I was very slow, but it was perfectly fine. <laughs> I made the effort. Now I just walk a lot. so And that's also Which fine. Which is just really just really slow running. So technically, I guess I'm still a runner. So the other interesting COVID thing, and again, we can, we're going to have a good pivot here. Um, no fly lists. <laughs> so Delta... Uh, the, not, airline, the airline, not the variant, <laughs> not the variant, <laughs> right? But you can imagine the variant's going to get a publicity department soon. Um, the airline has said, "Hey, other airlines, could you please share with us the people you've kicked off your flights and won't let them back on for being belligerent around COVID <laughs> policies?" Great idea. And I'm like, "Huh? Okay, yeah." And so this is a free market thing, right? So conservatives no 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 no, no that's the, the evil government dictating things no you should love this it's free market the, right the market saying like we're gonna we're gonna look we we can't keep people off planes yeah. if they're on no fly list for terrorism reasons but the airlines themselves are like whoa yeah this this yeah. person is gonna get yeah, on a yeah. plane pulls mask down and spit on a flight attendant let's make sure he doesn't fly anywhere yes or like the uh, representative from Alaska who's banned from Alaska Airlines and now just can't get anywhere. Right. We can, you know, dog sled. Dog sled. Right. Um, I will season. say um, the, the experience of flying in to Jamaica, um, in order to go to Jamaica, you had to get a COVID test. Sure. And so what was nice was we're on the plane, but we knew everybody on that plane had had a COVID test, like vaccine, not vaccine, whatever you had to have a COVID test in the last 72 hours to get on the plane in the first place and everybody had to wear masks and they're very explicit about like none of this like i take my mask off and i just eat and i'm just kind of with my mask off no it was like take some bites put your mask back on like you know they're very explicit about that now i don't know how strictly that was i don't i don't know that was really enforced how people were adhering to it but like for being locked into a small metal tube for three to four mm, hours, I actually felt fairly comfortable. Yeah. Uh, I felt much more like we were, you know, gambling with our lives when we were eating at the uh, restaurant in Newark Airport when we had to connect through there. Because then it's like, well, let's take our masks off because it's fine now because we're having dinner. Like, okay, sure. Um, I mean, you're outside of the pandemic. Yeah. Going to Newark is gambling with your well, life. Well, there is that, too. As somebody who's flown through that Although, airport I have whole to lot. say, the restaurant I ate at in Newark uh, it was fucking fantastic. Which like, one? Uh, it was called... Oh, was it the seafood restaurant? It was like Saison or something like that. Okay. It was like... It was... Uh, it was um, well, I'm going to go super bougie here. They had grilled octopus. They had escargot. I had a... I had a, my first... So I love Jamaica, but it was all rum cocktails, which I love rum cocktails, except after I've had them for five days, I'm ready to do something different. Sure. Had a fine Manhattan from that place. Um, it was delightful. Like, I really enjoyed the food there. And uh, in saying that about airports, I've had literally one other experience where I had was at a restaurant in an airport. And I'm like, this is great food. And it was at the 
It was at the Denver airport. And I can't remember the name of the restaurant, but it's really good. It's a local. Oh, place. they're probably closed anyway. But, and it's a Southwest <laughs> terminal. Anyhow, uh, total tangent there. So, you know, the the idea of testing and getting people back together and how do you do that safely, I think, is is actually a good segue into Chicago and what the hell is going on here. And there were yes. two things that I, I really wanted to talk about. And one of those was, look, city government feels pretty broken right now. Um, not the not the blocking yeah. and tackling because it's Sunday. I can use that metaphor. Right. Um and for those of you outside of the country, blocking and tackling is a an American football metaphor. And the games are played on Sunday, and so yada, 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 yes. that works. Okay. Uh, we've got a new budget. I thought it was a fishing metaphor, but whatever. Tackle and fishing, I don't know. <laughs> I don't fish. So the, <laughs> you know, there's a new budget that's out. And, you know, there's a, there's a, a, a phrase from... Uh, from s- some folks, mostly I- I've heard on the left, which I really actually like, that talks about a budget being, you know, a moral document, right? Like this is this is what we're we're going to spend our resources on, and you know, you'll see in that budget this dichotomy. You know, I'm going to coin a phrase here. I'm going to call it the Lightfoot dichotomy. Okay. Which is ran on a very progressive platform. Yes. You know, for all, if you looked at a distance and on paper, you'd say uh, um, a minority in several ways um, should be very progressive. But behaviorally, that has not come to pass. And that is reflected so much in this budget document where you have a combination of a UBI experiment Universal basic income. Yes. Paying people, families, 500 to $750 a year uh, or a month. Yeah, for, I was going to say a year is not going to get you very much. That's a, that's a very, <laughs> very low. Um, very basic. But, but but still, like, the idea that this gets in is 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 really astounding. And a yeah. lot on parks and green spaces and, and sort of some of those things. But then also, you know, an increase in spending on police. And... Yeah. You know, and I feel like one of the one of the problems that Lightfoot has, politically speaking, is that I feel like she's tried to have it both ways in a lot of t- ways. Like, you know, like she'll do something that appeals to the left, but then also appeals to the right. Now, left and right are relative in Chicago, but like, you know, when you've got on the left in Chicago, you've got a lot of calls for defunding the police and all of that to then increase police funding. Like yeah. I, I don't think it's all that relative, if I'm honest. Well, and that's yes. that we will be our segue Democrats, into the but yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, um, but you know, I think it's like it, it, she's tried to be. You know, I've 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 had this conversation with people who are like, well, if she's pissing everybody off, then that means she's doing something right. But I I, I suspect that's actually not the case. <laughs> yeah, I guess that that is one argument. Like, oh, look, if the teachers union and the police union both don't like her. That must mean that she's striking a good middle ground. I don't, I don't think that nope. that's, Nope. I don't think that's <laughs> the case. Um, and you know, when we think about, you know, over the last few weeks, so we started school here, Chicago public schools, which is, I think the third largest school district or school system in the country. It's all right. Um, and, and look, 
we've talked about this before. The the folks who are serviced by CPS, like their economic and you know home situations, vary wildly, wildly, right? I mean, you've got parts of the city, you know, where you've got a a high school and it's surrounded by homes where the median price is over a million dollars, yeah, and some where the the median price is you know two hundred thousand dollars. Maybe, and that's just because the land, right? Yep. Like, um, and and outcomes are similarly, you know, varied. I, you know, I, we we could talk about medians, and but but really, the the extremes are there. Um, and the city government, so the, the you know the mayor appoints folks to the the board of education, and we've got a new president of CPS. Who is an accountant? So that that should tell you something. Yes. Um, the the city and the teachers union could not be further apart on anything. I, I mean, as far as we can tell. Yeah. There is a constant acrimony between them, um, and it has not been more clear than the last you know four weeks of school. Right. So we've been in school for four weeks. There is a COVID tracker. So you've got the CTU saying the district is not doing nearly enough. CTU, Chicago Teachers Union, not doing nearly enough. The policies aren't clear. We don't know where people are supposed to go or what they're supposed to do. And this is dangerous for the kids and dangerous for the students. And on the other hand, you've got the city and Lightfoot saying, oh, this is great. It's all fine. We've got testing in place. Meanwhile, actually, the testing, people showing up at schools without test kits, so they're sending the testing groups out, but they can do no tests, right? And testing is opt-in. Um, we've got the COVID dashboard um, on the the CPS website. That update periods are, you know, it was once a week to start, which isn't super helpful. Yeah. Um, there's a, and now it's supposed to be more frequent, but we're not sure how good it is. There's a contact tracing team, which seems severely understaffed. Um, which is like one of the, like nationwide has been one of the biggest problems from the beginning is that there mm. was not, never a good contact tracing infrastructure. Yeah. People didn't seem to think it was important. And I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you that like, I have a ton of empathy for, for the administration writ large, right? Like dealing with this is hard. There is no doubt. But it's also something to be said for you've had lots of time to figure out how to do this and how to do it right. And when you look anecdotally, especially, it just doesn't feel like any of that work has been really thought through. So, you know, and to give some examples, um, I have two children in the same school. One child was sent home or well asked not to come back into school because uh, one of their classmates tested positive for covid so he was in you know back at home flipped school for two weeks okay i can understand this policy Mm -hmm. um i would say and i'm just checking now just to be absolutely sure um he's back in school now so that's been you know over two weeks of time um, since he's been out, so he's back, 
Um, according to the CPS tracker, no students from that school have tested positive <laughs> or have of been course. slipped. Uh-huh. So yeah. that's that's troublesome. Yeah. Point two, there's no policy for siblings. Yeah. So, you know, if he were exposed, then... Presumably, siblings, siblings would be also exposed. Well. Um, we've had no contact from contact tracers. Yeah. And talking to people... Uh, in CPS as well, you know, you've got um, teachers who have been exposed through their um, through their spouses, who are now, you know, uh, CPS has said, no, you have to go into school, you have to go in and teach your kids, even if they're unvaccinated. Yeah, and that just doesn't make any sense, right? Like it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It, it like just not even common sense, and it, I. You know, this well, is this yeah. is all very, you know, this this isn't to pass judgment as much as it is to say it's clear signs of lack of planning mm-hmm. and lack of understanding. And at the same time, in, the mayor, instead of saying like, oh, boy, we better fix this, you know, is saying things like, well, people on the sidelines are, you know, casting dispersions or throwing bombs or whatever she said. But she used the words people on the sidelines to refer to the teachers in the classroom. Yeah. Which is the exact opposite mm-hmm. of... Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's like, we have to recognize that the teachers have been on the front line of this from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And they have had to deal with adapting from teaching in person to teaching virtually yep. to teaching both in person and virtually. Um Having uh, been following a friend of mine who's uh, a teacher and, uh, you know, talking about, well, you've got kids who were doing everything virtually last year, right? So now you've got them this year, and it turns out that they don't know half the things they're supposed to know because they've been doing everything virtually. So how do you catch up from that? Um, And it's a job that doesn't pay very well, um, you know, and it's like, there's sort of just like a, well, they'll just put up with this shit sort of attitude about all this. And I don't know that, you know, I'm not going to say that applies to life, but just like generally, I feel like that yeah. that's, a, that's a true thing. Um, and so what's happening is a lot of teachers are just leaving the profession just because they're burned out. Like, it's just like they're tired of dealing with this shit. And so it's like, okay, so now you have that on top of everything else is like you have less qualified teachers. How are you going to get more teachers when you've been spending a lot? I mean, yeah. if you were somebody who was nominally interested in teaching is that a profession you're choosing right now after you know because we're still in a pandemic we who knows what's going to happen with the you know the zeta variant or the tango variant or however the hell we're tracking these things now so tango variant kind of sounds fun the tango variant yes yes uh you can only get it while intimately connected to one other person and dancing it's better in the lambada the lambada yes the lambada (laughs) variant yes that is the forbidden variant it it is Um, but anyhow, it it's burns like a little more than the other ones, right? Uh, <laughs> but you know, it's like, what should you expect? Because basically, going into the profession right now, it would be you can expect to be paid poorly, have constant you know union fights to get basic ability to do your job. You're gonna have constant oversight of people who are telling you how to do your job, even though you really kind of know how to do it better than anybody telling you to do it. Um, you're going to maybe do virtual or maybe not. You're going to maybe have the resources to support that or maybe, or maybe not. not. You know, you're going to be dealing with, you know, possibly risking your life because of whatever variant is going on. 
Like, why would you sign up for that when you could get a job driving a truck for Amazon for better money? Well, that, I mean, I'm, that's uh, taking to extreme. That's, that's taking to extreme. Maybe. But I mean, that's that. But that's the thing is, like, we 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 put yeah. them in a position where they're having to do very hard work that's stressful, that's taking a lot of hours out of their. I mean, you know, because it's, like it's not just a job where you go and just do it and you're done. No, you have to go home and you have to do grading yeah. and preparation especially if you were switching from <laughs> doing an in-person class to trying to figure out how the f you do this yeah. virtually and, and how the beep we do this yes. virtually i i think that that is you know something we should all you know be thinking about right yeah. now and, and to me like again the hardest thing to see is the lack of empathy from Lori lightfoot and yeah. the administration like this is clearly very bad and and look i i would prefer that you know maybe the ctu not be as as aggressive on some things but i also think that they are very justified in protecting their people and and the kids yeah. and you know if it's a hard job and you don't feel like you've got the support of others um yeah. it's even less less appealing and yeah. what we need right now and this goes back to the very first thing we said and this is full circle uh stuff is that we you know we need people to be smarter we need kids to have better critical thinking skills yeah you know and that's going to come from better teachers yeah. so if we don't invest in our teachers if yeah, we don't invest I, in the schools I we're going to like there's a fundamental disinvestment in the things that are truly most important and you see that very starkly revealed in the pandemic it is teachers and is nurses who are on the front lines of dealing with all this shit and yeah anyhow uh i think i've covered that so i think we can go on to our final subject if you'd like to segue one more time you know or you don't or do you have a i i really i really wanted to talk about uh <laughs> In the vein of things that are broken, the alderman from yes. the 45th Ward. Yes. Um, but instead, I'm just going to spend the next three hours reading from the litany of <laughs> shady things that this gentleman has done over the years. <laughs> yes. So a little background on the 45th Ward. Uh, this used to be uh, John Arena's uh, seat, right? And yeah. he lost uh, re-election, uh, and now it is... Uh, Jim Gardner, who is the alderman, and it seems like he's been having some issues. I mean, let's let's be clear. You know, you said before, like, hey, you know, there are, you know, they're all Democrats, or it's like, I said Gardner, something that suggests that there aren't like right wing Republicans in in Chicago. Well, Gardner is is pretty close, yes. right? So, you know, John Arena, um, who is, you know, full disclosure, I w I would consider a an acquaintance to friend, right? Like I, we've we've had drinks together. I've had lots of conversations with him. A really nice guy. Um, at one point, there was a uh, a proposal for a a really good, you know, affordable housing development inside of the Forty Fifth Ward, and you know, John Arena thought that this was a very good thing and really pushed for it. And this became the wedge issue that probably cost him his seat on the city council. Yes. Um, arguably, anyway. Jim Gardner is a former uh, firefighter. He was endorsed by the Firefighters Union, the police union, 
And in his time as alderman, he has almost astoundingly found ways to piss off as many people as possible and really go back to some kind of mobster-based uh, you know, city government approach that we, I don't think, expected to come back. And so and we're talking about threatening constituents, threatening firefighters who are critical of him, um, you know, supporting constituents who are violent against others, you know, I mean, it, it really is, it really it's is astounding. Okay. And there's okay. a, there's a, there's a, uh, the people's fabric there on Twitter. You can find them. We can post a link. They did a timeline of his whole career and it is, it is even crazier than I thought. And again, if we were going to read it out, it would take hours. I mean, it's, it's, it's very long and it's come to a head in the last couple of weeks with a couple of revelations. One is a series of very, you know, offensive, misogynistic, you know, texts about colleagues on the city council, constituents, um, employees of others, you know, that are, I, I mean, I won't even say them, even if we're bleeping them out, I just won't say them. Yeah. Right. And the understanding that he's under investi- under investigation by the FBI. Which is pretty impressive is like, you know, you think about the term, I mean, he got into power 2019, Roughly, right? Yeah. He's already under FBI investigation. I mean, like... Uh, in fairness, yes, he's been very fast. And I think about all the aldermen where we're like, you know, we're like, wow, these are corrupt bastards. But they at least managed to be in office for at least a term before they got investigated by the FBI. Yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> although the thing that I, 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 you know, there aren't enough aldermen who are coming out against him, which is the thing that scares me. Like, people should be like, oh, Jesus, look, Gardner, he's only been in here a couple of years. We don't know how things are being redrawn, and our next podcast is going to be about redistricting in Illinois. Ooh. Oh, I know, I know. I'm, I'm pulling together all kinds of information, but okay. we don't know what the wards are going to look like. You're right? doing that outline. So <laughs> so we don't know what they're going to look like. We don't know how they're going to be put together. Um, there is no reason for people to be defending him other than kind of slimy reasons, right? Yeah. Like, just stop it. Just just stop it. Yeah. Right. And I made a joke. Uh, you know, the day that a lot of this kind of came out together, he was late for the city council meeting. 45 minutes late. <laughs> and my only assumption was that he was hanging out in the under federal investigation lounge at, <laughs> at city hall. I imagine a cigar in one hand, a, a glass of brandy in the uh, other hand. A, an envelope of cash in front of him. Like I, the ghost of daily... Is there another city? And I love Chicago. I mean, I love living here for myriad it's a beautiful reasons. city. But is there another city where you could actually pause for a second and say, like, oh, actually, you could have a lounge for city council members who are under investigation? Because <laughs> it's four be very, right now. The, the tips would probably not be good. But overall, it would be a very yeah. profitable lot. It's almost 10%. Yeah. 10% yeah, right. of the city council. Uh, probably gets back to Newark. Newark yeah, it's, it's all it's all back to Newark. So, which doesn't have the same skyline. Times, so you know, uh, and you know, and we're coming up on, you know, we're going to get that redistricting. There's going to be a lot of discussion about who's running for what. I know people are already out running against him. Um, super interesting things. We're going to do an Illinois and Chicago only podcast. Yeah, 
Uh, this is news to Steve, yes. but we're going to do it. Oh no, we will. Um, <laughs> and we're yeah, going to talk we about used all to of actually these do folks. like separate podcasts for national and Chicago slash Illinois because at the time we were dealing with municipal elections, like there was a lot more yeah. to talk about, um, and so inevitably. I don't think we're going to get back to that per se, but we will try to spend more time on that. You know, we'll find a we'll find a week where a happy balance. I mean, at this point, like, you know, once we get past the the infrastructure bills and all that, like there won't be anything to talk about because there won't be anything getting passed. So we'll be done with yeah. the federal stuff. We can focus on the local stuff. We'll be fine. And it, it's going to be a very interesting next six months. I know. I know. Yes. The redistricting actually federally is going to be. Also yes. very interesting. Yeah. Um, so uh, maybe maybe we we close out today. Yes. Actually, talking about alarmist because we haven't talked about our beers. We've said we're here. We, we said, said we got here, a free yes. beer. We did um, get a free beer. Uh, we got a a crispy boy was our free beer, and which was also my first beer. Yes. Um, and crispy. I can't even hear that without hearing it uh, sung by the White Stripes, right? right. Um, to the tune of Lonely Boy, obviously. It's a pilsner. Obviously, it's obviously. I super, really actually don't know the White super Stripes. Super nice, well, but you know. Super good, um, you know. It's it is actually the beer you want when you're, you know, you're out. No, I'm sorry. Lonely Boys by the Black Keys, not the White Stripes. Sorry about that. Oh, Black Keys. I I missed that. Sorry. Black Keys. I should have called you out on that because clearly Probably. I know these things. Uh, uh, our fact checkers uh, came in. <laughs> um, as long so as they come in before I have to do the edits, it's all fine. Uh, so crispy boy. Yes. Yeah, and it's a what, nice pilsner, right? It's it's seventy five yeah. degrees it's out. It's delightful. Yes, I'm having sunny. I'm having that. Ha- so we were brought out a glass of crispy boy. I sort of split that up between us. So now I'm having some of it. EJ's having some and, of it, and I, and I love it. And it's delightful. I love uh, it. And then I had the Midwest Royalty, which actually it won an award recently. It did. Um, I didn't really remember what the award was, but it sounded good. And it was the it was GABF bronze medal winner for American style lager. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so Midwest um, Royalty is I an American lager brewed with corn. Delightful lager. I still like the Dovetail Lager better, but that's okay. I think that's more of a local affinity thing, maybe. Although, Yeah, there. and I mean, Dovetail does the Germans only, right? And so... Pretty much. You know, when we're... The German purity laws and all that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at Alarmist, you've got a... You've got a... Maybe a bigger range. And so, you know, the one that I've had... Most from Alarmist in the past is Le Juice, which is a New England style. Um, also a GABF winner, but gold medal instead of bronze. Just saying. Just saying. Super, super tasty. I decided not to get that today because on tap, on cask, actually, which is a, a thing for me, uh, they have their pantsless American IPA or American Pale Ale, which is, I can... Really, really good. It's kind of their flagship. Um, really crisp, really nice. Um, that was my second beer, and I, I could have, I could sit out here in this little slice of heaven that they have behind their facility and drink that. Yeah, I, most it's, of it's the day. It's hard to really make it clear, like how delightful the weather is right now. Like, like if I look, like I see, like this wispy, like. I think those are cirrus clouds. Yeah, I think they're cirrus. cirrus. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, like in the background, but like overall, like it's a blue sky. Um, there is, there is a tree. There's a giant pine tree. There's a plane landing out O'Hare flying over us. We've got these lovely tables. We're in the shade. It's in perfect temperature. Um, I would say come out. But by the time I get this edited, it will be a different day, and the weather might Maybe be entirely colder. different. But 
It's lovely. Yeah, they've done a great job back here. Yeah. Um, and and the folks here are super cool. Uh, look, we were here. They opened at noon. We were here at eleven fifty nine forty five seconds. Yes, they were still welcoming. Um, it's it's a great spot. Uh, they do really good beer. Uh, they do curbside. If you order online, you can just pick it up. They'll walk it out, put it in your trunk, yep. and you can yep, head yep, out. Yep. Um, highly recommended. Yeah. Both the beer, the service, the people. Um, and the location, you know, when we look at the, the breweries we've been to, um, this is the furthest, furthest north and west. Yes. Yes. So as I said before. Not the furthest, well, no, it's not the furthest north. Not the uh, north and west. I, I was uh, north clarifying. and west. Okay, yes. sorry, yes. yes. It is the union of those two things. Yes. Right. right. Because, because we've been to Evanston. Because the furthest north would be sketchbook. Yes. In Evanston. Yes. In Evanston. Um, but we've, you know, this is not an area that's, uh, that, people often venture to <laughs> in Chicago because yeah. it's, it's Pulaski It's a little off Peterson. the beaten path, but yeah. it's, it's very but, good. But really good. And if you'd like to, you can actually, there's a, a good way to ride here. So there's some good trails you can kind of ride up to here and then yeah. you can keep riding north. To yeah. The and even if like you, you know, it, for some reason you couldn't get a seat in the, the beer garden, they have like the big like sort of garage door windows or whatever. Yeah. So you get lots of open ventilation if you're concerned about COVID or you just really want to enjoy the weather. Um, you know, lots of good options there so you should come out you should come out um and occasionally you might get a free beer not guaranteeing free beer right but uh i am looking forward to guinness is supposed to be opening a tap room in chicago and i'm very curious to see what that's like so we'll have to get there it's going to be a year from now before it opens yeah but they don't have very many places outside of ireland so like this will be the second one in the u.s yeah so i'm thinking that we do some kind of bar crawl from Dublin to Chicago. I'm not against this. The logistics are interesting. But uh, they're yeah, interesting. We, yeah. So we'll do it. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to fly to Dublin. There you we're go. We're going to do a podcast from there. Yeah. I like we're it. Talk about, we're going to talk about Brexit, presumably, because that's what you do there. Uh, we're going to talk about the, uh, the the interesting politics of Ireland versus maybe we'll Northern have a, Ireland. Maybe we'll have a guest. Uh, one, of your, one of your Norwegian colleagues can join us. Uh, for a fine pint, I have some a Irish. Pint of bitter. I have, I, is that I, what you do there? I Irish colleagues. No, you're going to have a Guinness. Oh, we just right. talked about this. All oh, right, Guinness. That's right. Uh, and then we will come back here. I feel like we have to like stop. Is there like a? We could stop in Jamaica. I'm like, what is an what is an island between the UK and the US? And it's not really between per se, but I'm sure we can get a beer somewhere along the way. Well, get a red stripe in Jamaica. <laughs> but there's one in Baltimore too. So. We could actually fly. Oh, so we could do both. Okay, I see what you're saying. All right, all right. So we can fly, and I looked at this. Okay. You can fly from. like that. <laughs> I really miss traveling. I can't tell you how much I'm I miss sorry, traveling. Man, like um, <laughs> you can fly from Dublin yeah. to BWI. Yeah. We could hit that one and then fly from BWI to Chicago. Okay, I'm in. So there it is. I'm in. That's fine. There Let's it do is. it. Let's roll. All right, anybody who's with us will uh, put a package we together. We could podcast on the airplane, too. We could. Except that the mask rules would make it a little harder to hear us. But we'll sound like the we'll adults in the in Peanuts. <laughs> Anyhow. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Stay safe. Come out to Alarmist. It's great up here. And uh, enjoy your beer. Support your teachers. Stay safe. Test negative. Think positive. Drink beer. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.